0: Truth is all I have to Living Time, the Integration of the Life by Dr. Morris Nickel. We left off with the expressions one, single, unity, wholeness are all related. And in contrast to this idea of one, all that belongs to time was said to follow number. That is, it did not abide in one, but ran away into time, into succession, in two, three, four, five, and so on. And that's where we left off. Pointing out the difference between time and eon, which is beyond time, above time, which is where time comes out of. Or you could say the Tao, if you wanted to. And if that makes people crazy, well then, Tao, 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 Tao. So go ahead, be crazy. I mean, people are looking for an excuse these days to be upset. Have you noticed that? Everybody wants to be upset. He said this, he said that. We are talking on the way over in the car, and I said, you know, we're, we're living in a world now where what you say is more important than what you do. It doesn't matter what you do, as long as you say the right thing. So you can do anything you want, just say the right thing. Appear to be nice. You can be the nastiest, cruelest, most hateful being on earth, but sound like you're sweet and loving. And that's all that people care about. That's all they want. That's enough. Because what you say is more important than what you do now. That's how far we have fallen into pretense, into hypocrisy. The idea of wholeness and its meaning and its relationship to eternity is given in the beautiful description by Boethius. I give it here in full because it is so often marred by being quoted in part. So this is going to be lengthy. He was a Roman senator of the 5th century. He was in prison. Faced with death, it said, when he wrote his Consolations of Philosophy, in which the following passage occurs, the italics are mine, he says, that God is eternal, is agreed by all who possess reason. Now you know why this guy was in prison, and why he got the death penalty. Anyone with that much clarity, that much awareness, has got to be put to death. You've got to remove them, or else there's going to be light that leaks into your darkness and a little bit of light does a lot of damage in darkness. This is why they're hunting down Edward Snowden for treason. Not because he committed treason, but because the government commits treason, and he blew the whistle on them. Of course, you make up whatever you want, make up any laws you want. You're the government, so you can legislate anything you want. Who says that what he says is treason? The government. He's giving away secrets. Yeah, what secrets, and who's he giving them to? Well, he's giving them to us, the people. I mean, there's certain things that, for national security, we're listening to your phone calls. For national security, we're looking into everything you think, say, and do. For national security, come on, really? Really? You're going to really do that? Yeah, we're we're really going to do that. Okay, so let's get back to this, because this guy got put in jail for talking, and if I keep my mouth going, I'll probably get thrown in jail for talking. That God is eternal is agreed by all who possess reason. What then is eternity? Eternity is the complete and simultaneous possession of endless life in a single whole. The meaning of this will be clearer if we compare the eternal with the temporal. Everything that lives in time moves onward through the present from the past to the future. We're all agreed, right? That if it's here, it's in the present, it came from the past and is going to the future. And no being that is situated in time can grasp all the extent of its life altogether. So you cannot grasp your life from birth to death altogether. Because the part that isn't right now in time is the future, and you don't know about that. And the part that isn't right now in time, on the other side, is the past. And you don't know about that. You can't grasp it. All you can do is remember it. And you can imagine the future and remember the past, but you can't have it all at once. So he says such a being has not yet reached tomorrow. You realize that you are such a being because you have not yet reached tomorrow. It has already lost yesterday and even in your life today you live only in one fleeting and transitory moment at a time. Thus that which is subject on the conditions of existence in time, even though it has never begun to be and never ceases to be, as Aristotle held that the universe is without beginning or end, yet is not on that account a thing that can be rightly deemed to be eternal. So you can't say that the whole world or anything in the whole world is eternal because it has a beginning and it has an end. For though its life is endless, it does not grasp and embrace the whole extent of its life together. It does not yet possess the future and it has ceased to possess the past. That which grasps and possesses together in a single whole all the contents of endless life, that from which nothing of the future is absent and nothing of the past has fled away, that is rightly called eternal or eon. We'll have a lot of other words for this. The long time, olam from Hebrew, so the long home, all these things, world without end, amen, forever and ever, all of these things. Such a being must hold itself in its own grasp, must be ever-present to itself and must possess the endless course of fleeting time as a thing present to it. There are some who, when they are told that Plato held that this universe has had no beginning in time, and will never have an end, suppose that it follows from this, that the creative universe is co-eternal with its creator. But they're mistaken. It is one thing to traverse the course of an endless life, and this is the mode of existence that Plato ascribed to the universe. People today are looking for eternal life. Now, eternal life means they put their head in cryogenic freeze, and then when they figure out how to keep a body alive forever and ever, then they thaw it out. So, basically, that's the idea. So, essentially, what they're thinking of is this endless life that you traverse the course of an endless life. You just keep living and living and living and living and living. So, that's our idea of eternity, which is not what this is talking about not at all. But because we're so limited by time psychology, our psychology concerning time, we're unable to even shake ourselves loose from that and think in a different way or get some new meaning. He says, they're mistaken. It's one thing to traverse the course of an endless life, and this is the mode of existence that Plato ascribed to the universe. It's another thing to hold the whole extent of endless life grasped together in one present. And to do this is clearly a peculiar property of the mind of God. It must not be supposed that God's priority to things created is a matter of length of time. He is prior to them rather than in virtue of the peculiar quality of his indivisible nature. Because he is indivisible, he can't be divided like we are divided. He cannot be divided. There is no priority because there is no time, because there is no separateness. There is no this and that. If you can't be divided, then you're one. And if you're one, the only way for there to be two is for you to be divided. But if you're indivisible, there can be no 2 not going too fast for you, am I? You should see your faces. (laughs) (laughs) At least you're thinking. It's math. (laughs) It's math. It's way beyond math. The unending movement of things temporal is an imitation of the unchanging presence of the life that moves not. Our idea of eternal life is repetition. That's as good as it gets for us. We cannot conceive of it any other way. The temporal world, since it cannot adequately reproduce the model, falls away from immobility into movement. You must see that you fall away from immobility into movement. You can't sit still for an hour and meditate. You can't do it. You fall from immobility into movement. But if you stayed in immobility long enough, you could reach the eternal, not just by not moving, but just by not moving. What would happen is you would develop a will. If you can imagine, if you could sit and could stop thinking and could stop feeling and just sit and allow it to go by, just allow everything to be, you would develop will. And with that one will, you could touch eternity. The temporal world, since it cannot adequately reproduce the model, falls away from immobility into movement, declines from an indivisible present to an endless extent of time, future, and time past. It's the fifth century now this guy's talking about this stuff. So, like I said, no wonder he's in prison. No wonder he got the death sentence. It's no wonder to me, anyway. It is unable to hold all the contents of its life and its possession altogether, but by never coming to an end, it seems to make some attempt at rivaling that which it cannot fully realize in its own being. We cannot fully realize eternity in our own being as we are. So the best thing we can do is think of a life that doesn't end. But what life doesn't end? Well, this life. But we're not talking about this life. Remember, this is living time and the integration of the life. Not this life. This life that we're living is something that's pressed out of eon. This is like, it's like that. I don't know how else to say it right now. It seems to make some attempt at rivaling that which it cannot fully realize in its own being. It binds itself to such a present as the fleeting moment supplies. You must see that we are bound to the present that this fleeting moment provides for us. And that present, since it is a sort of copy of the abiding present, bestows on all beings which possess it an appearance of existence. We don't like this either. You have an appearance of existence. This body is only an appearance of existence. It's not going to last. It's an appearance of existence. And when this disappears, everybody will say, You don't exist anymore. She's gone. He's gone. So that's how locked into this we are. But since that momentary present could not abide... It hurried forward along the endless path of time. So it came to pass that it made continuous by its movement a life, the whole contents of which it had not power to grasp together by abiding. You can't abide in your whole life. You can only abide in this present moment. So therefore you cannot grasp your whole life. You get it? I love this guy, this dead senator, dead Roman senator. He was probably the last good senator. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in any, in any country, in any time. I just think it's so funny. you've has, has anybody read the news? I don't watch the news, but has anybody read anything about the news? What did they say about the Republicans' seized control of the, uh, the Senate? And I just thought, this is so funny. They seized control because the voters gave them control. But no, they seized control. You can always tell which side of the fence the press is on by the way they report it, by the words they use. The Republicans seized control. In other words, this is a great coup, a coup d'etat. They have stolen it. They've seized it. They've taken it away from the rightful owners by you know some chicanery or some force or some sleight of hand. And I just think, no. Actually, what happened is they polled people coming out of their polling places and they found that 78% of the people who voted said, the country is going in the wrong direction. So they have no faith in the government. What 78% of the people say, it's not right. Now, you would never know that by reading the news. You think, oh, we have so much money and everybody's working and everything is so wonderful. You're getting told that all the time. But somehow 78% of the people don't believe that. So why is that? Because 78% of the people know something that the rest of the world seems to have forgotten. That what's so is more real than what you say. And that's that. Well, I started this off by saying that now it's more, what you say is more important than what you do. But that's only politically. That's only in the imaginary world. In the real world, what's so is still important. You remember the old joke about somebody sitting in a car with the driver, there's a passenger, and is there anything coming over? There? Just, just a dog. Oh, okay. It pulls out and then they wake up in the hospital. And says, well, what happened? You you said there was just a dog. It was a greyhound. Yeah, a bus, you know, greyhound bus. so. (laughs) So what I'm saying is, you see, words. Words are important until the bus hits you. It's just a dog until the bus hits you. The reality of what's so is we're in the hospital because what you called a dog was a bus. So you can say whatever you want. It doesn't change the bus. This doesn't change the reality. It doesn't change the impact of reality, of what's so. And 78% of the people are beginning to see that. You can call it whatever you want. It's not what's so. So, these Republicans seized control. Which I just find, I just find hilarious. It's all the headlines. And I looked at different news services, and they're all using the same thing. It's like, wow, is there like one editor? Remember, communist Russia and China and Korea, it's like, there's just one paper, one editor. We have a number of papers that all say the same thing. We have a number of news stations that all say the same. They just had one in those countries. Why? Well, they're just more honest. That's all. They're just more honest. I'm sure that I sound like I'm ranting politically, and I just find it hilarious, because this has nothing to do with politics. It has to do with the illusion, the hypnotism of life, the illusion that we're living under, all of us, every single one of us. And anyone who wakes up enough to point it out, either gets thrown in prison, waiting to be killed, has to go running around from country to country hiding, or is dead. So shut up, sit down, close your eyes. And remember, when I was a child, we had this little brass toothpick holder on the table, and it was three monkeys sitting around this toothpick holder, one with his hands over his eyes, one with his hands over his ears, one with his hands over his mouth. You remember those. Well, we had a little toothpick holder like that. So every time we sat down to eat, there it was, and we were reminded of that. Anyway, back to this wonderful monologue by this 5th century Roman senator. Boethius, probably not pronouncing it correctly. He says, if then we seek to call things by their right names, we shall use the words of Plato and say that God is eternal. But this is just it. We don't really wish to call things by their right names, do we? That's what politically correct speech is. It's not calling things by their right names. It's calling things by their legislated names. There's a difference between what's so and what we would like to be so. What we would like to be so is what we legislate. What's so is what is. But the universe is everlasting. Now, inasmuch as the way in which the judgment apprehends its objects must always be determined by its own nature, and God lives ever in an eternal present. His knowledge transcends all movement of time and abides in the indivisibility of his present, which covers everything, all the time, all at once. He grasps the past and the future in all their infinite extent, and with his indivisible cognition he contemplates all events as if they were even now taking place because they are all taking place even now, because in his indivisible self everything is right now. This is tilt for us. Our finite minds cannot grasp this as anything other than some abstract theory. Alright, that's the end of what Boethius has to say. The full fruition of the universe is now and ever in eternity, and this is eon. Now and ever is in eternity, and this is eon. The full fruition of the universe. What does fruition mean? Everything is mature, everything is final, everything is complete, whole, done. Like fruit that's ripened, it's done. Ding! Turkey's done. We've already found this thought in Averroes. Whether I hope he's Spanish. Averroes. If he's not, I just pronounced that wrong, too. I said in an earlier chapter that the aspect of the world which is manifest to the physicist is merely one aspect. This is mind boggling to a scientist. Tell a scientist that you're only seeing, you're, you're only seeing one aspect of something. No, I'm seeing the only aspect there is, the material aspect. Anything else that you're talking about is pure metaphysical theory and balderdash. The only thing that's real is what I can measure, okay, but that's only one aspect as presented to sense, the world is a ceaseless process of change. So your senses see the world as a ceaseless process. everything is changing. Well, that wall's not changing, really. Will that wall be here in a thousand years? Well, no, but, 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 but that doesn't mean it's changing now. <laughs> yes, it is. It is decaying now. it is falling apart now. whether you can see it or not, it is in which matter assumes one form after another, searching, as it were, for a finality which is unreachable in time. But Averroes says that the realization of all strivings and their full fruition is already attained. You know, it's funny, Connie was fretting the other day because we had some concrete stained and it turned out to be a color that we didn't want. And it's an acid stain and that's it. You can't make it go away. Period. That's the way it is. You can stain over it. You can make it darker. You can't really make it go away. So she was fretting about that because it's not the color she liked. And I said, you know what? You're just going to have to forget about that and focus on what's underneath all that. What is the purpose of that stuff out there? What is it for? It's an oven. We built an oven, a wood-burning oven. So what you do is you enjoy the stuff that you cook in the wood burning oven. Forget about all the rest of it because that's done. It has reached its full fruition for us. There's, that's the way it is. And she got almost annoyed. You know, a little peeved. I won't say she got annoyed with me, but she got a little peeved because I was holding this whole different thing. I was just holding it entirely differently. This is the disease that when you get infected with this, with these ideas, You become diseased. Your mind becomes diseased. You can no longer worry the way everybody in life worries. You no longer see everything in the same way. Your mind starts to rot away. And what you're left with is consciousness. Being. And being is really, truly apart from all of this that we know about. All of this decaying stuff all around us. All of that is not being. It's changing. Being is in eon. Being is in your long home. Being is in olam. Being is in Dao. This nonsense. This is just nonsense. This constant changing everything. And the more focused you are on this, the more you change with it. You see, you're dragged around by things. Somebody smashes into your car and you're hurt. Even though you weren't in the car, you come out and you find a big dent in your car in a parking lot. and Nobody left a note. You're hurt. You don't just say, Oh, well, I don't care. You care. You care. Either that or you drive an old car and you want a new one. But you get my drift, right? He says that it's already attained. Full fruition is already attained. This actualization, invisible to sense and beyond time, is achieved now and ever. Now and ever being the same. Now and ever are the same. The fruition of all man's strivings is likewise already there. When you start to hold things this way, everything changes. It's very difficult to get upset. I'm not saying you can't get upset. You'll find a way, because you love your drama. You love it. And you're in the habit of not knowing that you're alive unless you have drama. Yeah, so look at the looks on your faces. It's just great. This full fruition of the universe and of all that it contains was called the fullness of all things. There is a form of consciousness that opens on this fullness, a light of the mind, which Averroes says, man is capable of receiving. The same thing Ecclesiastes says. In the New Testament and elsewhere, the fullness of all things was called the pleroma. P-L-E-R-O-M-A. Okay, I don't know what that is. That which fills up full measure. That's what pleroma is. This is constantly referred to by Paul. He exhorts his brethren to be strong to apprehend what is the breadth and length and depth and height so that they may be filled with the fullness of God. In the Hermetic literature, the good is defined as the pleroma of God. By contrast, evil is littleness, clinging to one thing, like the color of the cement. Let it go. It's over. It's done. Let it go. It can't be fixed. The way you fix it now is with your mind. You accept it. You embrace it. You want it to be the way it is. But I don't want it to be the way it is. Okay then, I have learned to want things to be the way they are. That's called accepting reality or non-resistance. We'll call it other things too, but we'll wait and do that later. Clinging to one thing, is not this time? Paul also speaks of the pleroma of God as that wherein he fulfills all things in all. The fullness of him that filleth all in all, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 23. We have the idea of insufficiency, often mentioned in contrast to the fullness, pleroma, of things in Gnostic literature. The material world in time is regarded as a world of defect, a world of frustration, as Paul termed it, where nothing can ever be right. The pleroma is apart from the material world, attainable only internally. So how did I get to the place where the concrete color was okay? Well, I did it internally because I went out there and I did everything I knew how to do to the concrete externally. And I got it the best that I could make it. There was nothing else I could do. And then I said, okay, that's that. And then I went away. And I would not go out and look at it anymore. I went away until I could get myself in the right space internally before I would go to the right space out there. Before I would go back out there, I had to make sure that I was in the right space internally. When I got to the right place psychologically, Then when I went out there, everything was fine. Our own insufficiency is that we live in a fraction of ourselves, in a narrow eye, in a narrow vision, in time, in a belief that the material universe of the moment is all. When your car was bashed and you went out and saw it, that was all. That was your whole world was right there in that dent, right there in that scratch. The perfecting of oneself, the attainment of unity, is connected with grasping the idea of pleroma, with a full filling, which must mean... To begin with, an overcoming of our narrow, temporal vision. So that now we can understand better why the Hermetist advises the exercise of thinking of the life as living at all points, as a movement towards eternal life. The time life is only one track through the fullness of things. You get it? Sort of? Not at all. No? Really? This is discouraging. I mean, because this is really not hard. This is just a separate reality. This is the rope above us. This is what we have studied for almost three decades. You're just looking at it from a different angle now. It's like waking up in the morning and looking out your window. And everything's pretty much the same as it's always been. Oh, there's a bird here, this and and then the weather changes and this changes that. But the ground is still where it is. The buildings are still where they were. You know, everything is pretty much the same. But you go to another side of the house, and you look out there, and it's all different. That's all this is. You're just looking from a different angle at the same thing. But this is how you get to know what the whole thing is. You walk all around it, underneath it, above it, all around it, and through it, in it, from the outside, inside, and from the inside, outside, until you get to know it thoroughly. That's what we're doing here. And it seems strange, because you're discovering bit by bit, but there is a wholeness and a fullness And it's right there, and you can touch it, and you have touched it in meditation. So you have to bring those things together. You have to bring your experiences together with this, so that you experience this instead of just hear it, instead of just try to grasp it intellectually, that you experience it. I'm making sense. I know I'm making sense because it makes sense to me. And if it makes sense to me, then it must make sense. Isn't that what we all say? (laughs) Well, I understand what I mean. God we're idiots. So psychologically our position is determined by our internal states. Just as I was saying about the oven. Psychologically I got in the right internal state and it took me hours, it took me overnight to make myself get there. And then I went out back and I looked and it was all fine because I got in the right place psychologically. Then everything out there was all fine. But it's only fine when you're in the right place psychologically. If you're in the wrong place psychologically, nothing out there is fine. A state is a place psychologically. When Bohem was asked where the soul went to at death, he replied that it had no need to go anywhere. Heaven and hell are in us, in this inner space. That is the true site of our mental and emotional existence. Is not this inner space just that wherewith we are in relation to eon? Yes, it is. Are not all those exercises of faith, of transcending time, of getting beyond our natural reason, designed to admit new meaning and so more of the world of infinite possibilities? Yes, they are. Everything we do here is for that purpose. Everything. No matter how bizarre it seems to you, no matter how unrelated it seems to you. Everything we have ever done here and everything that we do here, all the mistakes, all the hits, all the misses, all is for one reason and one reason only. Designed to admit new meaning and so more of the world of infinite possibilities. Designed by who? Not by me. Designed by something higher. Let's remember how we are in the moment. How our momentary will always goes into what is partial. The dent in the car, the color of the concrete, this little thing or that little thing. Always our full will goes into something partial. As I said, we cling to one thing, and this is one meaning of time. It's also a meaning of evil. We think of ourselves as separate, unconnected, and self-existent. We hold to one set of ideas. The Republicans seized the Senate. This is one set of ideas. It's absurd, but we hold to one set of ideas. We see in one way. We live in minute particulars, details. To embrace more reality, To grow into that which is already there necessitates the giving up of this form of the momentary will. To resign something belonging to every moment of existence. This is the problem. In order to get into this place where the oven concrete color was okay, I had to resign that whole area out there. I resigned it for a day. I would not look at it so that I could get my internal state fixed. Once I got it fixed, everything was fine. But I had to get it fixed. Speaking of the resignation of the momentary will, Bohem observed that man, in his own will, which of course is self-will, can only possess a minute particular. But in the resignation, he gets into the total, into the universal, into all, for all is. He gets into the Tao. This is where the Taoists lived. This is where Laozi lived. An ever-present Tao, in the uncreate, in the not-pressed-yet-into-form. So everything that came into being didn't matter to him, because he wasn't there. It was like the concrete. I finally thought to myself, you are not your cement. Your life will go on. You are not the cement. You are not the wrong color. There is no such thing as the wrong color. All there is is what there is. This indefinable process here called resignation is always mentioned in the literature referring to the transmutation of man. If you want to be transmutated, then you've got to be able to resign what you think you are now. I have resigned from life. I have resigned from everything. Just in case you hadn't noticed, I've resigned. I don't play anymore. I don't play that game anymore. It's like I don't have a Facebook account or a Twitter account. I don't social network, I don't email, I don't email, I mean, I email my friends, but I don't associate with the world anymore. I have resigned from the world. Back in the 60s, we said, tune in and drop out, Mm -hmm. drop out and tune in, whatever it was. I have. We dropped out and tuned in. A tremendous devaluation of the self-will of the ordinary I is demanded. This is the problem. A tremendous devaluation of the self-will of the ordinary I is demanded. In order to resign, you've got to devalue this I, the self-will of the I. It's like you've just got to let it go. You've got to resign it. You've got to let everything go. Well, that nothing will ever get done and everybody will take advantage of you. Boo-hoo. Everything will get done and everyone will take advantage of you because that's what everyone does. All of life takes advantage of you and you take advantage of all of life. That's the way it works here. Accept it, move on. The notion of higher space gives this. When you move into this notion of higher space, this psychological place, state that is a place, when you move into that and you see how it changes everything out there, you have the notion of higher space. When you have the notion of higher space, the devaluation of the self-will of the ordinary I is not such a problem. This resignation is not an end in itself. Because if it's an end in itself, then you're a slug. If you resign just for the sake of resigning, then you're a slug. There are people who do that. We saw one today. We were at lunch and we saw one today. This lady comes in and she's blathering in Spanish. An elderly lady, big chica grande. She was big lady. And she's just going on and on and on. So I spoke to her in Spanish. She completely ignored me like I didn't even exist. And just went on blithering. In her own world. And then she went outside with four big cups of ice that they had given her and put them in her shopping cart with her life in it. She was a shopping cart person. We call them homeless now. People who choose not to play the game. They have resigned from life. We like to say, oh, those poor people. Those poor people made a choice. And, of course, there are so many bleeding hearts that want to say, they did. That's just, oh, that's horrible. Yeah, we love the victim thing. Anyway, we don't have any right to judge. This woman was clean and happy. And the only people who weren't happy were the people who wanted her to be some other way. And I just thought, well, she looks clean and happy, healthy. She looks very well fed. And she was very clean. And she just, she was like a dog. In that she starts walking, I was standing at the cash register getting ready to pay, and she walks over, and she's not wearing a bra, she's just wearing this T-shirt, and she had enormous bosom down to her waist, and she's reaching down into, and scratching down in, the, in her shirt, just like nobody was there, just like a dog would do whatever a dog does. A dog doesn't care. You sit right there in the middle of the room and lick itself and do this and do that. Do all these things that you wouldn't... You look at it and, 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 and people who own the dog go, Oh, stop that. Oh, stop that. You know, it's like, the dog's not going to stop that. It's being a dog. It is not self-conscious. We are self-conscious. We are the ones who are pretending to be something that we're not. Dogs don't pretend to be something that they're not. People do. This is our pretense. They don't have it. Look at the cat. The cat's doing exactly what I said. That cat just will sit over there and lick itself. It doesn't care what you think. It doesn't even know you exist. It won't know you exist until it wants to be petted or eat or warmed by getting on you and get warm, you know, whatever. So he says the resignation is not an end in itself. Above all, it is not a moral end. But see, we make everything moral. The homeless lady today, we have made that a moral issue. It's not enough that she's happy. We want her to be like us, unhappy. It's not enough that she doesn't have any bills. We want her to be like us, responsible, burdened. God, we're sick. It is a means toward an end through which a man comes into the ground wherein all lies in eternity. And from being poor, he becomes rich. Now, the thing about this lady, this homeless lady is, she's rich, she was happy, she was clean, she was well fed, she was healthy, not a tooth in her head but that didn't bother her at all, but it bothers us. (gasps) She doesn't have any teeth! Somebody needs to buy her some teeth so that when she smiles I feel comfortable. Whatever. All things are in eternity apart from visible creation. Just because you can't see them here doesn't mean they aren't there. And he that does not see that time and space are fixed for us by the nature of our organs, our sense organs, cannot move from the situation in which he is. You have got to let go of your sense perception of everything. You have got to let go of that. You've got to learn to think in a new way. You have got to learn to detach yourself from this death grip that you have on stuff, on your body, on your thoughts, on your feelings, on your little life. Because if you don't start to ease that grip, if you don't start to let that go, you're stuck with it. You'll never move from the situation in which you are. That's what Dr. Morris Nichol has to say about that. That's what I have to say about that. I don't know what you have to say about that. But next week, or next time, or next whenever... Who knows when it will be? We'll pick up where we left off. Take it from there. As usual, it gives you lots and lots to think about. And the encouraging thing to me is that you're thinking about it. Not, maybe not all of you, not all the time. But Curtis mentioned to me about this whole hermetic exercise of holding the whole life all at once and how it altered your perception. Was that what you were telling me? Alters the perception of everything. Alters your valuation of everything. Everything begins to change. Right. That's right. That's what this says. And when you do it, that's what happens. And you enter into this transformative process. And that's what this is all about. All I can say is be happy. I am.